0: Hello and welcome to According to John. Today, we're going to be talking about don't look back. You're not going that way. So many people today, they are, they're always looking back for the good time or they're always looking back for the lost love or they're looking back. You know, Facebook is horrible for that. Constantly going back in your past and then allowing your past to become your present and it usually gets train wrecked. I am your host, John Westfall, and I am discussing today about Don't Look Back. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day. Thank you for this time. Lord, I pray you give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, and give all of us, Father, clarity of hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get to it. We're going to talk about Lot's wife. That's kind of the... the reality of the situation. We're going to look at Luke chapter 17, verses 32 through 33. And he says, remember Lot's wife, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. Now that's really interesting because he's not talking about on the spiritual side of things. He's talking on the physical and, He says, remember Lot's wife, because she she kept looking back. She didn't just look back once, like at a quick glance and go, hey, uh, wow, look at that fire. She looked back, and with a longing in her heart, was missing the life she had in Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's look at this real quick. Now, to set the the stage for what's going on here, in Luke chapter 17, the... uh, The Pharisees, they asked Jesus a question, and that starts in verse 20, Luke 17, 20. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. And then he turns and he looks at the disciples. And as he's looking at the disciples, he says, listen. The days will come when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here, or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah... So it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. See, what he's saying is, listen, guys, the day is going to come when the return of Christ happens. And when it does, you run toward him. You don't run back to the world. And when he talks about being on the rooftop, he's talking about, Don't go down into the house and try to retrieve the things that are of the world. You run. And at that time, on the houses was attached a staircase. So the staircase would go all the way to the roof. And what he's telling them is, you get on that staircase, you run off the roof, you get into the street, and you head for the mountains. Man, if you seek to save the life you had before Christ, you're going to lose it. So therefore, you let that life die, and you live for Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Don't look back. If you're a Christian, you should not be looking back to the old life and the way it was. You should not be longing for the things that Christ saved you out of, the things that he pulled you out of, that he took you away from. You know, when we we look at this, and there's so many people in the Bible you know, uh, he didn't say, remember Korah or Dathan or Abram. They died suddenly. And he didn't say, remember Nadab and Abihu, who were burned by the fire of God. And he didn't say, remember Uzzah, whom God struck dead in the moment. He said, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife had the opportunity to run from that sinful world, from all the things that was consuming them. And we know that the world was pulling them in because as we're going to look and see, they were dragging their feet to get out. The angels are there. They're telling them, get out of this town. God is going to burn it up. And they drug their feet. You know, we live in a time and in a day where the greatest contagion of sinful worldliness that has ever existed. And we're going to go and be worse than the days of Noah. The days of Noah, man, they, they didn't want to believe in God. They didn't follow God. They had nothing to do with God until the rain came. And boy, when the rain came, I promise you, they were thinking, oh my goodness, what have we done We find in Genesis 19 the event of Lot's wife. And I think we need to go back and look at that and see how it was set up. God determined he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. We find that in Genesis 18. And then in Genesis 19, two angels, they warn Lot in 19.1. They show up to Sodom, and Lot is at the gate. He's sitting at the gate. That tells us that he had some prominence. He met them coming in. And then we read in nineteen twelve through 13, and it says, then the men said to Lot, now the men are the angels. Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, exclamation point, uh, being very emphatic, get them out of here. And you know, if you have sons, daughters, family, don't you want to get them out of the world? Don't you want to share the gospel with them so that they have a chance to go to heaven to escape the fire in the brimstone that is called hell? But yet, for some reason, we're content to leave them sit because we don't want to offend nobody. I mean, that frustrates me so bad. We have the answer. We have the answer to life. And yet, in the fear of offense... We keep the best kept secret to ourselves. Verse 13, they say, For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. The outcry, the blood of those who have been killed, those who have been abused, had become so great that God had enough and he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And the truth is, today, We live in such a time where perversion of the world is accepted and that which is good is now called wrong. And it's not accepted. The good is not accepted, but the wrong, the wrong, oh, that's okay. We're letting criminals out of jail and we're putting patriots in jail. It is one of the most disgusting, perverted times in my history And the Bible told us and warned us, clearly warned us, that the day will come when good will be bad and bad will be good. Or good will be evil and evil will be good. And we're seeing it. So the next day comes at dawn and the angels hurry. They grab hold of it. They're like, hey, Lot, it's time to go, buddy. And Lot we find in Genesis 19, 16, and 17 And while he lingered, while Lot lingered, the angels are telling them, we are going to consume this place. It is going to be burnt to the ground with nothing left, and everybody in it is going to die. And Lot lingered. It says, while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. They're dragging their feet. And finally, the angel said, listen, you got, you got to go and grab them by their hands and drag them out of the city. They get them to the outside of the city here in verse 17. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. Lot's not happy with that. As a matter of fact, Lot had a problem with it because in 18, Lot starts pleading for more. You know, just the fact of being saved, that God's mercy was on him. God's grace was extended to him. He was going to be saved from death, and that wasn't sufficient. Verse 18, Lot goes on. It says, Then Lot said to them, Please no, my lords, indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But this isn't good enough. I want more. Isn't that the world today? Oh, I got Jesus, but that's not good enough because I want the world too. I want more. And he says here, but I cannot escape to the mountains lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now this city is near enough to flee to. And it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? In other words, you're not going to destroy that place either. And he says, my soul shall live. And he said to him, the angel says to Lot, see, I have favored you concerning this thing also, and that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. He's like, okay, look, I'm going to give you another one, and I'm not going to consume that city because you've asked me not to, but you got to go. You got to get out of here because I'm going to destroy the city. And we see that Lot hesitates. And then, as it goes on in verse 26, because they run out of the city and The angels do exactly what they said they were going to do. Here comes fire and brimstone raining from heaven. And in verse 26, it says, But his wife looked back. And they were already told, Don't look back. Don't look back. If you look back, it's going to cost you your life. Verse 26 but his wife, Lot's wife, looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. People go, oh, that is so trifling to kill her over looking back. I mean, what sin was that? She looks back to see, anybody would look back if their city is being burned, their home is being burned, especially from fire coming out of the heavens. Okay, admittedly, I would probably look back. And you probably would look back too. But they were told not to look back. And really, when you look up that word look, it literally means to gaze. It means to take it in and to consider or to pay attention to. So it wasn't just a look, it was it was a longing for. Her heart was still in Sodom and Gomorrah instead of being obedient to God. What I found in First Samuel fifteen, twenty two, and twenty three. In twenty two, it says that it's uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. And then in twenty three, which is probably kind of shocking, but we're talking about the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man, and God just can't tolerate sin. But in 23 of First Samuel chapter 15, it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It is blatant disobedience and choosing another God over the one true God. That is why she lost her life. She looked back. You know, we have this windshield. If you're driving a car, we drive. And the main thing to look through is the windshield. We wouldn't dare drive the car down the road, looking in the rear view mirror, steadily watching where we came from, because that would lead probably to an accident and possibly death. And so therefore the rearview mirror is very small and it's very small for a reason, because what's behind us is nowhere near as important as what's in front of us. You know, the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if you are a Christian, you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It said, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Why are you focusing on what God has delivered you from? Everything's new. You have the mind of Christ, or should have the mind of Christ now, as you grow and mature and go through the process of sanctification, which is the process of growing and maturing. (laughs) But we would never look back. A farmer would never get on his tractor and plow a field looking backwards because he can't see where he's going and he would do a crooked line and the moment he sees it's crooked back there, it's too late. He's got to try and correct it. But if he doesn't look forward and continue to look forward, He's not going to have a straight line. And so we are told, don't look back. Well, she turned and she watches the flames falling from the sky. And she allowed her desire for the world to cause her death just as the fire consumed the city. God says, I'll deliver you, but you can't go back. There's a passage in scripture that says that the person who returns to their sin is like a dog that returns to his vomit. Now that's pretty disgusting. And that's the whole idea of it, right? Like if we keep returning to our sin, that's like a dog that returns to his vomit and eats it. It is not good. It is not healthy. It's nasty. But yet That's what we do when we allow the world to draw us, when we allow the things that disgust God to keep hold of us, when we look back with a fond heart of that very thing that God delivered us from. I don't know why as humans we do that, but, man, we always seem to go back Almost like what we have isn't good enough and what we have coming isn't going to be sufficient. Don't look back. You're not going that way. As a Christian, we should be always looking ahead, always looking forward, keeping our eyes on Christ, keeping our mind to be like Christ, taking any sin that comes into our mind, we take it captive, we put it in prison, not to allow it to have free reign in our life. And Lot's wife... She chose to not take anything of the world captive, but she took that which God was giving her, which was life, freedom. She takes that captive so it doesn't have precedence in her life and then focuses on that that was killing her. So I don't know if God killed her because she was disobedient or because she was longing in her heart to have what was being consumed, the world. But either way, the, the bottom line is she was rebellious against God. And God says, that's like witchcraft to me. In Judaism, if we go back and research it, which I did, obviously, Lot's wife became a symbol of a rebellious unbeliever. She is a symbol to this day of a rebellious unbeliever. Well, in Luke 17, 28 through 33, which I read earlier, Jesus is describing a future event. And he says, look, there's not going to be any time for you to go back. Don't do what Lot's wife did. Let the world go. Let the things of the world go. They're going to get burned up. They're of no value to eternity. Let it go. But we have this problem of holding on. the world. It's one of those things where if your house is on fire, and you're going to run in and grab all the valuables that you can grab at the risk of your life. And you're grabbing for things that don't matter in the end. Let it go. And that's what he's talking about. When Jesus says in Luke chapter 17, when he says, In verse 33, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. He's talking about the things that your life is made up of. For example, if you take a a vain person in the world who is all about money and the vanity is all about things, then they're going to go and grab as much as they can. We see it in the movies all the time, right? It's like, grab the valuables and get out. And God says, those aren't valuables. I'm giving you a chance of life. And ultimately, that's all that matters. If you look at people that are in the hospital, they're losing their life. They have cancer. They have these diseases that are taking their life. I don't think you've ever heard one say, boy, I wish I could spend another day in the office. Or, man, I need to just get that car I wanted. Or I needed to get that whatever it is that I wanted. Before I die. No, typically they're looking back at life and they're looking back at their family and they're looking back at what really matters, which is people. It's not things. And man, we get caught up in that and we lose both life and things. Well, we are fortunate, especially as Christians. In Ephesians 4, through 24, it says this, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And that's what, that's what Lot's wife had. She had a deceitful lust. In other words, she had a lust for the things in Sodom and Gomorrah. She had a lust for the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, which was corrupt to the core. And yet she wanted to go back to the corruption. For a Christian today, we are to put that off. We're to put the former conduct off. Quit looking back to what you were and look ahead at what you need to become, which is Christ like. Verse 23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Guys, all that matters is that we pursue that which is good. And the only thing good is God. There's none of us that are good. The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. And when the rich man is talking to Jesus and he calls him rabbi, teacher, but he calls him good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There is none good but God. Guys, we need to pursue what is good what is righteous, and what is holy. And if we get caught up in the things of the world, if we're constantly looking back, we're not going to see the pitfalls ahead of us. And ultimately, it will cost us everything. We see in 1 John 5, 16, that he talks about uh, willful, deliberate sin can lead to death. And yet, we still choose willful, deliberate sin. Sin. And sometimes it might not be death of the body as much as it is death of the spirit, death of our joy, death of our happiness, death of everything that matters. You know, Lot's wife, she chose to value in her heart, and that which she chose to value in her heart led to sin, and then the sin ultimately led to her death. And she gets turned into a pillar of salt. Now, I looked up pillar of salt, and I started with the salt, because I'm like, why did, why did God turn her into salt? I really don't have anything but opinion on that, and so I really don't understand uh, the salt aspect. I wish I did. It had more for you on it. But what I did find interesting is she's described as a pillar. And if you look the word up pillar in the Hebrew it refers to a garrison or a deputy. And I thought, well, that's strange. But then when you look up what a garrison or a deputy is, it is something set to watch over something else. And so here she is turned into a pillar of salt to watch over a dead city. I mean, I get it. It's not, her watching over it, but it resembles that. And I thought, man, how crazy is that? And then as you get to study in it even further, what you see is that Lot's wife is standing watch over the Dead Sea area. And if you know anything about the Dead Sea, well, you know everything in it is dead. <laughs> everything around it is dead. Nothing can grow there. And so here she's setting watch over death. She got the very thing that she was desiring, death. That's so crazy. But yet, that is what it looks like when we make a profession of faith and then we don't follow Christ. Or we follow Christ and there's hesitation And we're not abiding in him because we're abiding in something else. And the reality is, we too are looking at death. Because everything in the world is going to die. Everything, including the world, eventually. I mean, I'm not going to say that when Christ returns that it is the end of the world, because it's not. It will be the end of the world as anybody ever knew it. But ultimately, in the end, it's all going to burn up. The entire earth, everything, is going to burn up. Why are we trying to hold on to that which is dying? Yeah, that's what uh, Lot's wife did. She looked back because she wanted to see what she was losing, only for it to cost her her life. You know, when we look at this, Jesus expresses in Luke nine sixty two, and he says this: No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And he's talking about those that serve him. If you go in and you read the verses prior to that, and I think you go back to verse fifty five, it talks about uh, one guy's like, "I'll follow you," and he says, "Well, you know, I don't. Hey, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're not promised anything on this earth." And then he looks at another one, he says, you follow me. And he goes, I'll follow you, but first let me go home and bury my dad. Well, Jesus says, let the dead bury their own. Because, see, his dad wasn't dead. He just wanted to go back until his dad died so that he'd be there to bury him. And then another one, Jesus says, follow me. And he says, oh, let me go back and say goodbye to those that are at my house. And then Jesus answers with, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Guys, don't look back. There's nothing back there. Everything that is behind you is gone. Don't look back. Well, in similar context, Jesus talking about people who want to follow him and he responds, don't look back. Don't look back. Jesus also used the statement, And many times he used a statement, whoever wants to save his life shall lose it. You want to save your life? You want to believe in Jesus? You want to follow Jesus? You have to let go of the things of the world. You have to let go of all that junk and all that clutter, all that stuff that oppresses you and that holds you back, all that stuff that gives you a moment of happiness. But Jesus gives us a lifetime of joy because happiness is very dependent upon happenings or things joy comes from the lord and joy is forever no matter what is happening we find it in matthew 10:39 if you guys are wanting to write down some passages on this phrase whoever wants to save his life shall lose it that's matthew 10:39 matthew 16:25 mark 8:35 Luke 9, 24, and Luke seventeen thirty three. In every one of those instances, it is referencing, if you want to save your life, you got to lose it, meaning you got to let go of what you had in the world and follow Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to get rid of all of your things, but what it does mean is that all of your things don't have you. You can have them, but they can't have you you. And see, that's what it was in Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot's wife. All of that life had her and ultimately it cost her her life. I want you to know that no matter what it is, you have to turn your back on the things of the world. You have to look forward and pay attention to where you're going. Be very on purpose with your walk in Christ and be very on purpose with the letting go of the world and not allowing the world to capture you. Guys, listen. Attachment to our old life will cause us to lose our lives. And Lot's wife is the perfect illustration and example that we would do well to remember. Guys, I hope that this has helped you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. Help me get this podcast out that we could teach others the Word of God. Until next week, God bless.